You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Now, it's that time of year where we are trying to organize and prep and plan for the upcoming season. And some of the gear that we use takes batteries. Now, you should go visit your local Interstate Battery store or visit interstatebatteries.com to check out all the different varieties of batteries that they offer. They have truck batteries. They have batteries for your trail cameras. They have batteries for your rangefinder and everything else that is electronic that you use for your hunting equipment. They have batteries for that. Interstatebatteries.com. Awesome company. Check them out. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast brought to you by Vortex Optics. Go check out vortexoptics.com. Today, we have a really badass, kick-ass podcast. We're going to be talking with Devon Zimmerman of Pennsylvania. He's kind of the east side of the state guy. I know that uh, things kind of are really different all over the state of Pennsylvania, right? From what I've heard anyway. They got the east side of the state guys, you got the west side of the state guys, and you got the central uh, st- part of the state guys, and all of them are really different terrains, really different ways to hunt, um, all high pressure, right? But uh, Devon kind of walks us through a couple things. This is this is a really good BSS session. The first thing that we talk about today is him picking up a bow shop right he went from being a dairy farmer to now he owns a bow shop where you know he does bow shop things and uh, the second part of this podcast is him kind of walking us through one hell of a really successful 2018 season and uh, just a really good bs session man you've heard these bs sessions before but the best part about these bs sessions is that every one of them is different right and i love listening to guys like uh, devon share their story because it's always nice to pick up something new and you can take a successful hunt and you can kind of relate it to maybe a a hunt that you've had or maybe take something away from one of these hunts and say oh i'm gonna try this 
next year or I'm going to try this this hunt or whatever right so really excited uh, about this about this podcast hopefully you guys enjoy it before we get into today's episode though we're going to do some housekeeping right if you haven't had the opportunity to go check out the Sportsman's Nation short film tradition a turkey hunting film please do it it's on YouTube it's on the Nine Finger Chronicles Facebook page. It's on the Sportsman's Nation Facebook page. Please go check it out. If you like it, share it. I'd really appreciate that. We're going to try to do more of those as the uh, as time moves on. And then what else are we going to talk about? We got to talk about um, subscribing to the podcast, whether you just want the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast or you want the Sportsman's Nation Whitetail podcast, right? Two different podcast one you get the nine finger chronicles one you get all of the sportsman's nation content whitetail content right we have the big game feed as well so the sportsman's nation big game western hunting uh soon you're gonna see the fishing podcast uh we got it we got a lot of things coming the hunting gear podcast is gonna be coming very shortly as well and uh man I am uh, I'm jacked for the month of August because it's going to be very busy uh, on a personal scale for me and very bu- busy on a uh, business side as well. And uh, man, I'm just jacked up because in about a month, I'll be heading out to Colorado to chase elk. And in about two months, I'm going to be heading to South Dakota to chase mule deer. And in about three months, it's whitetail time, right? Like really serious whitetail time. And uh, I'm get I'm looking forward to this fall, man. It's going to be busy, but it's going to be fun. And uh, man, just really looking forward to it. All right, so commercial time. I have shot a lot of bows in my day, right? I go to the ATA show and I shoot a lot of them. And I'm a really big fan of Prime, right? And it's just one of those companies that they have a bunch of bow hunters that work for their company and they build bows and archery equipment for bow hunters right um one of my favorite parts about this bow is the draw cycle is really smooth the valley holds true and i am a huge fan that when i release my arrow the and a lot of this has to do with tuning as well, you know, getting your bow tuned properly. But it's awesome for the delivery of the arrow. We have a really, really good energy transfer. So you're not getting a lot of hand shock in, in you know, sometimes there's bows where you'll pull the trigger or you'll let the arrow go and you'll feel that vibration in your hand. There's no vibration or very little. There's no vibration. And uh, man, I just love it and uh it's a really good bow and i'm a big fan of it i'm shooting the ct3 this year last year i shot the logic and uh man it's one of those things where everybody has their own opinions of what they need to shoot for a bow but for me i want everybody to at least go try one out before you make your next purchase go go shoot a prime just go test it out and then make your decision from there because that's really that's just give them a fair shot right so uh, i'm a huge fan of them I think you guys will like them. Go go uh, give one a test drive. And that's it, man. Uh, let's get into today's podcast, this BS session with Devon Zimmerman. Mr. Devon Zimmerman, how you doing, man? Hey, pretty good. about yourself? Oh, I can't complain. Finally, the bottom sure. has dropped out of this heat here in Iowa. And the next three, well, actually the whole week is supposed to be low humidity, like 
high 70s, low 80s temperature. So uh, it's going to be one of those okay. weeks where I want to try to get outside as much as possible. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Yeah, I think we have about one day left of that here. Um, the last four or five days have been absolutely miserable. Yeah. Um, 100% humidity, 95, 98, yeah. 99 degrees. Um, yeah, you know how that is. Yeah, straight gross outside. Yeah, yep, yep. Yep. Cool, man. Well, <clears throat> let's see. You reached out to me and you're like, hey, man, if you're ever down for a BS session, let's do it. And <laughs> it's kind of funny. The The first picture you sent me was of you holding a deer from this past year. And it looks like I'm assuming is your son holding yep, the arrow. That's correct. So yep. what, what was funny about that is when I get these pictures, they're condensed, right? So I don't get to see the uh-huh. whole picture. So all I saw sure. was this big buck and this little kid holding an arrow in a bow. <laughs> I didn't see you in it. And I'm like, no, okay. no way did this toddler shoot this buck <laughs> with, with a compound bow. So I got a, I got a kick out of that. Then I opened the picture up and, and there you are. But, yeah. uh, um, why don't you tell everybody before we get started and, and dig in deep to this BS session, where you live and what do you do for a living? Sure. Sure. So, um, as you already said, uh, my name's Devon Zimmerman. I live in, uh, Southeastern PA, um, Lebanon County to be exact. And I, um, own Little Mountain Outfitters, which is uh, a bow shop. Uh, not strictly a bow shop, but um, that's the majority of what we do. I guess you could call us maybe a little bit more of a sporting goods store, but majority of what we do is bow-related stuff here. Right. Um, so that's what I do. I am a farmer on the side as well. Um, so between between that and uh, everything else I try to do, it seems like uh, – that pretty much keeps me busy. Yeah, I hear that, man. Lots of irons in the fire, right? Yes, yes, right. correct. So, from a farming standpoint, are you your typical uh, soybean and and uh, corn? Yeah. So, um, we actually, I was a dairy farmer up until last year, and I'm guessing we can get into that a little bit later. The transition from there to owning a bow shop, but. Um, Right now, me and my dad, we do some crop farming. Um, we basically do a lot of dealing in hay and straw, um, so we buy and sell that. Um, and believe it or not, actually, through the bow shop here, we have um, we do custom food plots for people, and that has um, actually, yeah, it's nothing full-time for sure, but we have a little bit of that here and there. And So, yeah, between all kind of the combination there, I guess, is what you would – I'll clump that into the farming category. Yeah. So just real quick, you said southeastern Pennsylvania. And when I think of that, I think of Philadelphia. How far are you away from Philly? Um, we're northwest of Philly, 45 minutes to an hour. Okay. Um, yeah. We're, are you by anywhere close to King of per- Prussia? Um, we would be west of that as well. Okay. Yep. All right. Cool. Yep. Yeah, I've been to Philly a handful of times, and I've been to King okay. of, uh, King of Prussia multiple times, um, and uh, it's like I don't I never really get out into the country, but you can get a kind of a good lay of the land out there. Some yeah. actually yep. some pretty beautiful country out there. Oh yeah, yeah it is. Yep. All right. So 
you you've always kind of been a farmer, right? Dairy farmer, crop farmer yep. in your family. Is this something that your your dad has done and, and your grandfather has done as well? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Uh, my dad started dairy farming. Yeah. When he got married, he grew up dairy farming and uh, yeah. Gotcha. So it's a family tradition type of deal. Correct. Gotcha. Yep. Okay. So what led you down the path of man, I want to open up a, a sporting goods store and, and work on bows and, and archery equipment. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of a long story, I guess. Um, I grew up just um, pretty much dying for anything hunting-related. Um, I had the fever big time when I was young. My dad took me hunting quite a bit. My dad was a big archery hunter, and he took us boys. I have one brother. He took us as much as he could when we were small. And, you know, there's just some people that just really get bit really bad, like even when they're young. Um, and I think I was kind of one of them guys. And just, you know, you uh, kind of live and breathe. And uh, when, when you're not working, you're thinking about hunting. And even when you're working, you are. And uh, so kind of going from there, um, the archery shop that I currently own started back in 2011. It was just a small family. Um, their son had a, had an interest kind of like I did. And, um, they started a bow shop and I helped them out some that was back in, uh, 2011, 12, 13. I helped them out occasionally and it kind of grew out of the space where they had it in. Um, and I heard kind of through the grapevine, back in uh i guess it was the beginning of 18 that they were looking to possibly um either move somewhere else or um sell it or um yeah the guy that was running it had got married and uh got another job and it was just kind of one of those deals where it kind of grew almost too big for for what what they were um what they had space for yeah. And yeah, being with the yeah, different changes and whatnot. Um, they came to me back in the fall of uh let's see, seventeen I guess it was is when this all started. Asked if I would be interested in buying it. And kinda over the same time, um, our family was trying to decide what we're gonna do, if we're gonna continue in dairy, because I don't know if you follow the dairy market at all, but it has been really tough for the last couple of years. Yeah, I've heard and, that. And um <clears throat> me and my brother were kind of planning on taking over the dairy operation. We had built uh, a new setup about seven years ago. And so it kind of, for a lot of people outside looking in, it looked like we had everything set up for us. My brother kind of started pursuing other interests and he didn't really have uh, the desire to take over um, the dairy farm with me. And I, I wasn't really ready to jump in quite that big myself when, you know, a combination of with the dairy market um, we weren't even sure if we had a market at the time um, or where we sold our milk. Um, they had dropped a bunch of farmers and we were with them. And it was kind of just a, a whole combination of things right at once. And I was like, you know what, maybe this is this is uh, a good time to just pull the plug on, on the dairy and uh, try something else. So, um, yeah, took yeah. us a couple months to work through everything, figure everything out and I purchased, uh, the business. It's called little mountain outfitters. Um, I guess that was right at the end of 17, beginning of 18. Um, right. and it was currently sort of off the beaten path. 
Uh, that was one thing that, that uh, they felt could really be an improvement if we can move it somewhere a little more central to our customers. And so, yeah, in the process of that, I did, I was running um, back there and running it where it was at the current location for a couple months while we tried to find another spot. And a uh, uh, spot came up for lease just right, basically right up the road from where I live, about five minutes, seven minutes away. And so, yeah, we remodeled that and last spring moved everything into here and it's kind of just taken off from there. Um, just a lot more exposure where we're at now and yeah, awesome. able to serve our customers a little better with not having to go quite so out of the way. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Uh, is that a big jump or like a huge transition from going I understand you still farm, right? You're doing the, yep. the ag, but is it a huge jump and a big learning curve from running a dairy farm to now running a bow shop and sporting goods store? Yeah. Um, a lot of people ask me that question. I'm not always sure how to really reply because yes and no. Um, you know, some things are, are the same. Um, I wasn't strictly dairy farming. I had done some other stuff on the side too. And so it's not like it was a, um, you know, I had to totally um, learn something new and I had helped them out before, but yeah, the, the whole, the lifestyle is probably the, the thing I think about the most, you know, on a farm, you're, you're, you're your own boss, basically. Um, you um, kind of work at home. You're always at home. Your schedule's flexible around the cows, obviously. Yeah. Um, some people would say your, your schedule's not flexible at all because you always got to be there to milk them twice a day. But other than that, I mean, we had it set up. So we milked at uh, 1 o'clock in the morning, and a lot of people thought that was totally nuts. But I tell you what, hunting season was pretty sweet because <laughs> we'd be done by 4 o'clock in the morning. And guess what? I could go hunting every single morning if I wanted to. Right. Um, afternoon is the same. We'd be done at three thirty, four o'clock. I could buzz to the woods. Um, and that's why we did that. Um, even though I was looking back on it now, it was pretty crazy. I'm not sure really when I slept, but, um, anyways, yeah. so yeah, that, that part of it, you know, now having to come out here and, and, uh, you know, not be quite as flexible, you know, when my stores, well, my store has hours, I got to be here. I can't just say, oh, today's a good day for hunting. I'm just going to throw the clothes sign up and, uh, and they can wait for another day. Well, you can do that, but. <laughs> hey, know I know some works. bow shop owners that, that operate like that. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm not saying I never do that. Um, but after a while you get that reputation. Yeah. That's the guy that's never open. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I try to, yeah try to uh run by my hours as much as we can uh, right. but there is times where it's like you know what um we're just going to be closed today yeah so. so you know on top of all that you're still farming right so in yep. in you're not you're not milking anymore right because that's 100 percent gone right so yep. come yep. fall and this is just me assuming what you do let me guess right when when is pennsylvania opener um, Pennsylvania opener is, well, the special reg season where I do a good bit of my hunting opens two weeks early. So it's usually middle of September. Uh, and then the regular season opens the first Saturday of October. Okay. Um, so the special reg season is like, they have an area down toward Philly and also there's an area out around Pittsburgh. It's a higher deer density area. They start the season two weeks earlier to try to, uh, help kill some more deer. Right. Help the population there. 
All right, so it's October, right? And human nature says, I'm going to wait till the last minute to get my bow set up for the year. Um, yep. So harvest is hitting, and it's, you know, everybody's trying to get their bow in at the same time to get the work done. How crazy, yep. how crazy is your fall, or have you experienced that yet? Yeah, um, somewhat. <clears throat> so, yeah, you're right, and... and probably more than October and September. Um, you have all these guys, I, I shouldn't make it sound worse than it is, but sometimes it seems bad. You have these guys, Hey, you know, um, I've been needing a new string. Now the season starts next week. Do you have one in stock? You could just put on my bow here. I don't have to let it here at all. You know, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and I guess it's just, you know, people just don't know. Um, but yeah, it, it can be pretty crazy. Last year was a couple times I was like, wow. Um, yeah, so what what we try to do is, you know, try to run some, just say we'll do a, a bow maintenance special in July. So, you know, try to get some of that stuff in earlier to get these guys thinking about it earlier so that um, September, October, they're not all coming in at once. Right. You get what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah. So when you're sitting here, you know, like, I don't, did you go to the ATA show this year? I did, yes. Okay. Yep. Just complete chaos, right? From what I see, there's all these different products on the market. There's yep. like 10 of everything. How do you know what products to buy? And I mean, like, obviously you have the bow brands, um, you yep. know, you can bow, but everything from the the different varieties of peep sites to order and yep. and field points and just like... You know, I don't really think there's a a Matthews of field points, right? So it's right, just exactly. how do you how do you determine what products you're going to bring into the store? Yeah, that is that's a pretty loaded question, and that's one I'm still trying to figure out. Um, I mean, you you try to keep an ear for what the customer wants is the biggest thing. Um, you know, we might have just say just say a broadhead, so that's probably one of the toughest things because you know how many hundred different kinds and styles and um, everything else of broadheads out there. Um, so I like to try, I think we have, you know, a good selection here of the most popular stuff, but you, you know, you always have these guys come in, Hey, you know, they just came out with this new one here. Could you get some in for us? Um, or, or arrows or yeah, whatever, really. There's always, there's always something that you don't have. Um, so how do you know then what the customers want and what you're going to bring into the shop? Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's probably the toughest question of the whole industry really that I'm in. <laughs> um, just take broadheads, for example. Um, so you know how many hundred different kinds of broadheads are out there. Right. And, you know, I like to think that we keep a pretty good selection of, you know, the most popular stuff in here. But, you know, you always have the guys that come in and say, hey, we just saw this new one or, or, hey, these we shot. We used to always shoot these, you know, 10 years ago. Can you can you get these in? We always like this kind and, um, you know, stuff like that. And I will do my best to try to track whatever they're after down if i can get a hold of it and maybe order it in just for them um it's not saying i'm gonna stock it necessarily um but you know if, if someone wants a certain kind of broadhead and i don't have it in here 
and they're okay with waiting a week, you know, I can usually get in, uh, you know, what they're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. So any, anything can be ordered, right? Right. Correct. Yeah. Anything can be um, and, ordered. And that, yeah. And that's probably where us small shops have a disadvantage if somebody just like going to Cabela's or whatever, because there's no way we can keep, you know, the inventory in here that a big, a big box store like that can have. Um, so, you know, you just hope they're okay with waiting a little bit and right. try to go from there. But yeah, it's a big game. It really is to yeah. figure out what everybody's going to want, especially with new products where you really have no idea how it's going to, you know, if people are going to go crazy or if they're not even going to hear about it. Um, that's kind of the game we play, I guess. Yeah. So, one thing that I've like I would be nervous about, and I didn't know like if if you took this into consideration when buying this bow shop in the sporting goods store, but with I I am one hundred percent guilty of this. I'll go into my local shop, I'll take mm-hmm. a uh, I'll take a look around, I'll look for what I want, put it in my hand, take a look at it, and then I'll leave, and mm-hmm. I'll go try to find it cheaper online. Right mm-hmm. now. I try to support local as much as I can because I, I do go in uh, every year. I get like my fletchings uh, put on there. I get my a new yep. bowstring put on there. But if it's something like a pair of boots or something yep. like that, then I'll I'll go tr- maybe try it on and then go try to find it cheaper online. So uh-huh. how, are, how you know knowing that the 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 world is kind of turning that way was did that yep. make the decision to buy this store more difficult? Um, it's definitely something you got to keep in mind. And, you know, there's a lot of, there's a reason smaller shops are getting more scarce and that's some of it. Um, and you know, I look at it this way, that's never going to go away. You know, the online marketing thing is only going to get bigger, but there is one thing that, you know, just say there's some things you cannot replace by just going and buying online. Um, and, and one of that is good customer service. You know, you buy something online, so just say your boots. You know, if if someone does just go out and buy a pair of boots on wherever it is, well, guess what? Maybe they don't fit right. Well, then what? Then you got to send them back um, or anything, really. Um, there's there's always that. I think there will always be that need for the uh, shop that is maybe a little more personal where – um, they can come try this stuff, whatever, before they purchase. Now, there is some of that. I know that, you know, they come in here and look at it, try it, see how they like it, and then you go buy it online. And you're just not going to get away with doing that. It's, it's just the way it is. Um can be frustrating, but it's just the way it is. You got to just learn to um, deal with it, right? It's a, yeah. It's yeah. part of It's part of doing business these days, right? Yeah. Yep. Right, right. So, uh, so far in this because you haven't even been doing it doing it a year yet have you yeah well actually in march it, it was a year so we're, oh, okay. we're a little over a year oh that's yeah. right i yep. keep forgetting this is 2019 so within yep. what what do you think about being a bow shop owner within the first year do you like it yeah i do um and you know if it was any other business it might be different but you know when it's something that you really um, have your heart into and it's something you really enjoy, that makes a difference too. Um, it's it's definitely got its challenges for sure, but you know it's not like I thought it was going to be a, 
I buy it and then uh, just sit back and rake the money. And I, I kind of knew that kind of was going to be, and I think that's how it is with any business. Um, it's probably more challenging than some businesses. It's a little more seasonal, um, which depending how you look at it can be a good or bad thing really. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I would say, I mean, we're happy with, with how it's grown in the last year. Um, so that part I can't complain about it at all. I think this area was in a need of a good bow shop. Like we do have some competition around here and, um, you know, I won't bad mouth anybody. I think it's just like any other business. Yeah. There's room for another guy, you know? Yep. And the, so, the, the cream is always going to float to the top. Yeah. 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 And so that, that's the biggest, that's probably the, uh, that's where you, you just want to end up there. You know, yep. whatever you can do to make it to the top is that's what's important really. Absolutely. Well, so one thing we've found out from the first part of this, uh, first part of this conversation is that you are a very busy man right yeah uh you're you're a farmer you're a uh, sporting goods store owner and uh, i'm sure there's times where it's a little slow but at the same time i'm sure there's times where it's just ultra busy and on top of that you still find time to hunt correct i do yeah yeah and it sounds to me like 2018 you came off of uh one hell of a year yeah i had i had the best yeah, probably the best year I've ever had. Gotcha. Um, yep. So I take it, and this is, again, assuming you, being a farmer, have access to some decent land to hunt. Um, being a farmer actually does not uh, – most of my hunting area is not right here in this area, to be honest. Um, I do hunt at home some, but um, when I think of my hunting, it's it's usually out of the area here. Um, like I said, <clears throat> I hunt the special, special regs area, which is down toward Philly, have a couple different spots down there that are really good. And, um, we also have a, a hunting farm out in, um, Midwestern PA. It's about an hour and a half West of here. Gotcha. Um, so we do some hunting out there too. So to answer your question, um, yeah, it, it's being a farmer has gotten me some place to hunt. Not really what I would consider my, my hot spots really, but, okay. um, yeah. Gotcha. So let's talk about, um, like the, this 2018 season. Did you harvest your, I take it you harvested your archery buck first, right? I did. Okay. Yep. All right. So let's walk through, cause I'm, I'm looking at a picture and then I'm taking that picture and kind of processing everything else I know about Pennsylvania, right? And, and I'm, I'm sure yep. just like every state, there's pockets of really good uh, hunting and really good quality deer. Um, yep. Why don't you just kind of share the story of that buck, where he was harvested, um, the farm, like just break down the entire hunt and share that story with us. Sure, sure. So um, my archery buck in Pennsylvania last year um, – I, it was one of those deals where, you know, you say, um, you kill your big bucks in the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that was, that was kind of the deal with him. I had put cameras out, um, in the summer, like I always do. And I had patterned, uh, it was a pretty big group of a bachelor group of bucks. I think there was uh, around 10 of them all together. Um, and I would say probably four or five of them were what I would consider shooters. And for me, Pennsylvania here, um, 
where I draw the line, there's kind of a three and a half or older. That's just kind of what, what I um, consider a shooter. And, and it depends where I'm at as well. But at this farm um, or this spot, I hunt, it's not even really a farm. It's just a, it's a patch of timber, really. It's only 16 acres. Um, it's between some pretty big chunks um, that have very low pressure. And so um, kind of the location of it is what makes it so good, really. It's just um, the, it's the know, right 16 acres. Exactly. Yep. Right. It's right. It joins. Yeah. They pretty much got to go through it to get to one of the, one of the chunks um, right. on, on either side. Is this so, a real quick, is this like a pinch point? Is it just a, a, a drainage, a terrain feature? Do they bed there or do they just travel through it? So it's like what I would consider a wide Creek bottom. Um, probably maybe 200 yards wide it's wide enough that they do bed there as well. There's some real thickets in it. Um, there's fields on both sides of it. And then out either on the either end of it is where the, uh, yeah, there's, there's pretty big chunks of timber on either end of it. And so early season, you, do, you don't actually have a lot traveling through there in the rut of obviously you do. Yeah. And that's a dynamite spot in the rut. Um, but Early season, there's always a bachelor group of bucks in there. There's one little section, I would say it's maybe two acres of real thicket that they always bed in. Um, and then it's just basically a matter of time, a matter of which end are they going to come out on. Right. Um, so jumping ahead to, uh, uh, or back to last year, um, I knew they were in there and I knew they were coming out the one end pretty regular to a bean field. And last year, the season started September 15, which is the earliest it started in a couple years. Um, this year, it's uh, 19th now, uh, I believe, if I have that date right. So I knew, basically, they were still going to be on pretty much of a summer pattern. And I had that pretty figured out because I had a couple different cameras scattered in there. And I knew about where they were coming out pretty much every evening. And it seemed to... The, the wind made a little difference. Um, if the wind was out of the north, they came out on the side that I was, that I could hunt. If the wind was the other way, they came out. Sometimes they would go out the other way too. I think it kind of depended. Um, but there was beans on the side that, that I could hunt. So that, that definitely had, had a little bit more of a draw, I think. Right. Um, so I snuck in there on the first day of last year uh the 15th snuck through the bean field so i didn't walk through any woods at all i snuck through the bean field and went in about 30 yards 30 40 yards inside the woods just i mean it was based right on the fringes of the bedding like i, I figured they were probably bedded within 75 yards of me um but one of the benefits of a small property like that you kind of know uh, don't take you long to figure out where the bedding is and where they probably are. So right. I knew that I was, although I was really close, um, I knew that, yeah, where I expected they were. So, yeah. all right. So it was a run and gun uh, setup. You kind of had an idea where they were doing. So did you put yourself in a position where, like, the wind was? Cu- blowing completely opposite direction of where they were betting or was it like more of a aggressive setup to where the wind was somewhat blowing their direction like quartering towards them yeah so it was very much a caddy corner um 
I knew the way they come out that I was going to be good, but any further in or any further to the right, I would have been, you know, it would have been too much, yeah. too much wind blowing in there. But I knew I was caddy corner and the way they come out, um, basically they, the way they uh, came out then, um, they felt like they had the wind in their favor. I was just sit, sitting just off the wind. Okay. And so they felt like they had the advantage coming into this creek bottom. Correct. Okay. Yep. So did they drop down into this creek and then go back up the other side of it, or did just did they hug the bank of the creek to go into the the bean field? Yeah. So um, they're actually bedded in the creek bottom. Um, oh, okay. So I don't. I yeah. They were on my side of the creek. Um, there was just uh, the creek makes a little jog in there, and there's some yeah. That little corner is a thicket, really gotcha. nasty. Um, and, uh, yeah, they were, so they didn't actually cross the Creek at all. They came up basically. Yeah. Right. I was just in off the field. Gotcha. So it's one of those, it's one of those places that just is, it's a slam dunk for that wind direction. Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. Yep. Okay. All right. So how long, uh, did you sit in the stand until you started seeing some movement? Um, so I got in there about three o'clock and, there was actually a small buck bedded about right beside or just in from the tree. I wanted to go up and he stood up, ran, I don't know, maybe 20 yards and stopped and watched me. And so I, I just, I figured, well, as long as he don't bust in through there, I should be good. I climbed the tree. He watched me climb the tree and everything. He came back out through like right away. I wasn't even up in my stand probably 10 minutes. Literally he walked past me at, 10 yards um i'm he was just look up at me the whole time um yeah typical year and a half old i guess he just a a little spike um so when he he went out into the bean field then almost right away and then um it was yeah pretty much started right after that i had a a two-year-old i actually saw him stand up right at the edge of the 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 thick stuff um it was just you know if i would have made any noise i'm sure things could have went south really fast. I was literally that close. Um, but so yeah, he, he stood up and fed out through to the beans. And then I think it was about five thirty. you know, right when you're thinking, man, this is getting to be prime time here. Um, I, here they come. It was just kind of, I started recognizing one. Oh, there comes the other one. It was, it was all bucks I had pictures of. And so I pretty much knew who, you know, which, who they all were. I, Cause, um, yeah, I had a lot of pictures of most of them yeah. and they came, they came right out past me, but they were just down just a little bit too far. Uh, I say too far, it was about 40 and normally I don't shoot that far. It's just, I don't know, especially early season like that when they were there, you know, they have no idea what's going on yet. I just don't feel the need to stretch it out. Me personally, there's a lot of people that, that do, and that's fine. Well, there's I also like a lot of uh, leaves still on the trees Correct. at that Correct. time of year. And 40 yeah. seems a little harder in early October than it does in, let's say, November. Yep, yep. So they actually all went out into the bean field. Um, yeah, about 5.30, and I thought, man, I was just over 15 yards too far. Um, 
And for whatever reason, I'm not sure they, they got spooked at something out in the bean field. I think it was a deer that came in from the other end. Um, they just started getting a little bit, you could tell they knew something wasn't right. And they all followed back in through the exact same trail. And I was like, well, it's over. They're probably going to cross the Creek and go out the other side now. And yeah, it was about 45 minutes later, maybe just, yeah, right before dark, um, here they started coming back through again. And this time they, they, yeah, they were up about 20 yards closer to me. And so I left the first four or five come past and they were still pretty jittery from whatever had spooked them in the first time. And the first four or five, like always are never the bigger ones. Uh, it seems like the smaller ones always come out first, younger deer. Yeah. And, um, then I saw one of the ones I would have considered shooting, and yeah, that's when it just got crazy because yeah, they pretty much all came at once at that time. Right. And so I was trying to decide, um, I'm facing my tree, um, and they were, you know, coming from the back of me and I'm trying to decide on which side of the tree I'm going to, sh- you know, well, basically I had to decide which one I'm going to shoot first of all, and then which side of the tree is he going to come on? And I, 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 um, self film as well. So I was trying to get the camera all lined up and everything. And yeah, I'm I'm sure it probably looked like a real circus. If you would have been watching, (laughs) um, you know how it is back from one side of the tree. Oh no, he's going the other side of the tree. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty wild. So let me ask you this. Um, this deer that you shot had already come by you at 40 yards, hit the bean field, turned around, came back into the timber, did, did you have eyes on him the whole time or did he disappear no. for a little bit? Yeah. They went back down into where they came up out of, and I'm guessing they just milled around down in there. Um, and one thing I think I really had going for me is I'm pretty sure the neighbor guy was hunting on the opposite side and his wind was blowing directly in there. I'm about positive. That's the only reason they didn't go out that side. Gotcha. Um, Cause I'm not sure why they would have came back out the same, the same side. They get just had got spooked in on. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's something I, I thought about for a long time until I figured that out. I went back and looked, I was like, you know what? I bet that's the reason they didn't go back out that other side. Yeah. Um, so how far do you think that other hunter was from where you were at or where these probably, were probably 150 yards. Oh, so that's fairly close. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I think I know there's a stand right on the edge of the woods on the opposite side. And yeah, the way he was, if he was in that, which I'm pretty sure he was, cause it's the first day in Pennsylvania, everybody goes hunting. Um, and it just made too much sense. Um, yeah, absolutely. So you're, you're bouncing back and forth between which side of the tree and what deer, um, to shoot based off of the, you know, the best possible shot. It seems like, were they walking side by side or in line with each other? No, they were kind of scattered. Um, so they were kind of, yeah, the first couple just came straight out to the bean field. The last two or three, which were the two or three bigger ones. Um, they definitely were taking their time and they were, they were kind of picking around on, there's a couple Oak trees in there and they were eating some acorns on the way out too. Um, so from the time I seen him start to come back out till I actually shot him was probably 10, 15 minutes. Um, cause yeah, I saw him 
coming and right about 10 yards over from him was another big one. And I was, yeah, like I said, still trying to decide which one I was going to shoot. And then they kind of, the one went on the one on my right side, the other one, the one that I ended up shooting then came around the tree to the left side. So they did kind of split as they came up through. And this one offered you the best shot. Yeah. The other one I wasn't positive was going to come. He stopped at like 35 and was just standing there just looking. Yeah. And yeah, he just, he was, yeah, just totally still just froze for about five minutes. And I was keeping my other eye on the one on my left, which is the one I ended up shooting. And he kept steadily just really slow, but he was making his way up the hill. So I just decided, you know what, whichever one gets here first, I'm not going to be greedy. Um, the one that yeah was on the right side that was just standing there was definitely a little bit bigger. And looking back, you know, you always have those thoughts like, what if I would have waited? But it's like, that would have been ridiculous. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. So you ended up taking this one uh, chip shot. I mean, how far was he away? Yeah. So um, it was a chip shot, but I still screwed it up. Um, so came around the left side of the tree. I had to move my camera arm in between me and the tree over to that side, got it on him good. I drew his broadside quartering away a little bit. I thought, well, he's about 29, 30. I used my 30 and I shot right over his back. No shit. Right over his back. And you know how your heart can go from like your head to your toes in like a split second. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a that was a pretty crappy feeling. Just say that. Well, already um, already knowing what the outcome of the story is because you sent me pictures, yeah. it's just amazing. Like, yeah, I, all the years that I've hunted, not even a doe has allowed me to have a second shot opportunity when I've missed. Yeah, well, I tell you one thing: just because it happens to you once, you certainly can't count on it every time. That's for sure. Um. So, and it was dead still. That was, that was the other thing. The, the bigger buck that was standing on the right, he spooked and ran back the way he came. It didn't snort or anything. Um, and the one that I shot, shot right over his back, <clears throat> took about three leaps, and then he stopped. He wasn't sure what happened. Uh, thankfully, my arrow did not bounce off any tree branches or anything. It just simply stuck in the ground. I mean, literally an inch right over his back. Um, so it's stuck in the ground right behind him. And I think more than the bow noise, it was actually the arrow hitting the ground behind him that spooked him. Cause he ran, when he ran, he ran two or three bounds towards me. Oh, really? Um, so I had my quiver. I always take my quiver off and strap it to my tree. I don't know. I just have this thing. I don't like shooting with my quiver on. I don't know why. Yeah. Um, but you never really set up for having to quick grab a second arrow like really quick you know what i mean right so i had my quiver at a stupid place it was hanging on a branch right above my head so i'm trying to quickly grab an arrow like while keeping an eye on him um yeah and at this point he had already went back to feeding i I couldn't believe it Uh, other than it was early season they hadn't been pressured at all i mean he had yeah acted like he didn't know what happened so i got another arrow in he was behind a little bush then. I moved my camera over just a little bit. <clears throat> he stepped out. I drew back and smoked him double lungs. At, I think it was right around 21, 22 yards. Um, wow. So by that time, he was 
almost past me and he just did a semicircle right around me and I was able to stay on him with my camera the whole time and yeah he crashed literally 40 yards from my tree I saw him fall over and die right there and I tell you what it you know you always have them emotions everything when you make a good shot and kill one but when you go from missing one to making a double long shot and him dying right in front of you that's pretty incredible <laughs> <laughs> I just um, ama- like imagine a, this giant adrenaline dump in your body for you know yeah. like you're drawing back you're getting ready to shoot him right i, I got it i got it miss huge disappointment yep. all that you know you're just yep. like ah and then yep. he hops closer to you you realize that you have another shot opportunity you quickly get the arrow knocked and whatnot and draw on him again and shoot him and this time smoke him and then you're like oh i got like yeah the chaos of the moment yeah my so i have everything on film and my buddies make so much fun of me to this day but i said uh my reaction obviously um but i i just tell man you have no idea what how that how that is you know to go just like you said from missing one to double longing one and he dies right in front of you in less than probably a minute yeah um it's pretty wild but anyways yeah i had a I, i had a scenario like that happen but not on the same deer uh let's see in 2000 and i think it was 2012 i missed a really wide eight pointer coming through on a on a piece of property and then the next day i think it was the next day or two days later i arrowed a i arrowed a deer and, and killed my 2012 buck but just just the it wasn't close and I didn't experience all it all in like a five minute time frame. It was like two yep. days, but still it was like, Oh shit. I felt down for an entire day. I still was going out hunting, but I was like, Oh, boo hoo me type, you know, yep. type yep. of thing. And then I had the, uh, another opportunity and, uh, you know, drilled the deer, but it's just, I don't know. It's why we do it though. Right. Oh yeah. Yep. If it wasn't for that, I think we'd hang it up. Yeah, absolutely. So you drop this deer. Where does this deer rank in your in, I guess, the success as far as deer hunting is concerned? Um. So he was my biggest biggest buck I've killed. I've killed several right around that size, but um, yeah, he was a little bigger. Um, so yeah, right there and just early season, first day out, you know, just how everything worked and all the other bucks that were with him and just, you know, the whole experience combined, I would say it's probably so far at the top of my list. Um, you know, maybe if I shoot a couple more big bucks and have other crazy stories, maybe it won't anymore, but at this point it certainly is. Um, yeah, I did kill another buck in maryland later on but just it just was not was not the same for sure right so this archery buck that you ended up taking what was the you know just give the people an idea what you felt his age was and and what his rack uh is maybe even a score to go along with it yeah sure so i knew he had some age um from a couple pictures i had of him um incidentally he was one of the bachelor group i never had many pictures of he would always be kind of at the edge of the group he was definitely camera shy um kind of at the edge of the group and i like i said i never had any real good pictures of him but i knew enough from his rack and his body size that he had some decent age so i pulled 
and I've done this the last couple of years. I pulled his two incisors all out and send them to deer age, um, to have them do the, um, they cut the teeth and, and dye the layers. I don't know if you're familiar with that process at all or not. No. Um, anyways, they, they're pretty accurate. And to me, I don't know. I just feel better about that than just looking at his jaw and saying, Oh, well, I think he's this age because we all know jaw bones really aren't that accurate. Um, so they said he was six and a half. Um, looking at his body, it certainly looked like a six and a half year old deer. His jawbone looked like I had a couple of different taxidermists look at it and guys that look at jawbones. They said for sure five and a half. So I'm guessing six and a half was probably accurate. Nice. Um, he was an 11. He has six on his left side, five on his right side. Um, and he, he scored 134. But I don't know. To me, it was just. He's unique. Um, he has a pretty good split brow on his left side, and it's just yeah, probably one of the cooler deer I've ever shot. Yeah, he's uh, uh, definitely he definitely looks unique. I love I I got a deer on trail camera this year that's got a couple. Um, he's got one sp- split brow, and for some reason that's a characteristic that I I've always wanted to shoot in a deer. Is you know if I was yeah. to say. You know, I don't really shoot deer based off of what their antlers look like. I like a mature buck, but at the same time, if I had my way, like there's something about, to me, a split brow that really gets me fired up. Oh yeah, definitely. Yep. So, well, and I know we took a lot of time telling that story, but, um, just real, real quick. Why don't you walk us through the, the second buck that you ended up harvesting that year? Yeah, Sure. So I've been doing some public land hunting in Maryland as well. I have on and off for the last couple of years. Um, but last year, me and um, my brother-in-laws scouted a couple of new spots. Um, and this is Eastern Shore, Maryland. Um, something totally different than I was used to. It's more like salt marshes and uh, pines and whatnot. It's just a lot different than hunting around here. Right. So, um we had hunted, um, the, let's see the opening weekend, which was like September six, seven or eight, something like that last year, totally eaten by flies and mosquitoes. Like I don't, <laughs> yeah, I've never, I've never experienced anything quite like that before. Um, my brother-in-law has this, has this saying mosquitoes are so big down there. They sit on the trees and bark at you. And maybe it's not quite like that, but almost, I mean, it sure seems like it when you're trying to deer hunt. Right. Um, So opening weekend, we didn't have any luck, um, went down one other time and then they have a a muzzleloader season in the middle of October, um, which is pretty early for a gun season. Really Pennsylvania doesn't have any gun seasons that early anyway. And, uh, so we went down there for that. And my first time in, I went to, uh, I just, this is all online Google maps, um, scouting, so you were able to pull up Google Maps uh, and find find your location. Yes. Um, so we I picked out a couple spots on maps that I wanted to check out. Being it was kind of late last year, till we figured out we're hunting down there, and I didn't have a lot of boots on the ground scouting down. So I was kind of almost scouting as I was hunting. Um, I had picked out this area as a public land spot. Most of the tract is planted pines, which is big down there. Um, 
state of Maryland buys these big chunks back from timber companies. And so a lot of them have planted pine trees like in rows. Um, so depending what age level these pine trees are, some of these sections are super, super thick. Some of them are open. I found a little, it looked like from Google Earth, it looked like two or three acres of hardwoods in the middle of a big pine tract. Um, and I, I kind of like hunting edges and, you know, anything that breaks it up a little bit. And one thing I thought was pretty cool too, is there was private ag fields on the backside of this chunk that was actually pretty close to this little hardwood section. So my thoughts were deer coming off of the, the ag fields coming into here, funnel through that because <clears throat> the hardwood is obviously a little more open than the pines. Cause that section of pines is super, super thick. Um, so my thought process was they come off the ag fields, funnel through that hardwood section back to bedding in the pines back behind there. So I just set up in there. Um, it was a group of bucks. It was two or three of them. Um, I know there was for sure two. I think there might have been a third. Came through right after first light. I think that's exactly what they were doing. They had transitioned off of the the ag fields which were on private <clears throat> were coming back through to bedding because the way they were acting i think they were getting ready to bed down right there and i just happened to be right in their bedroom basically um so yeah 15 yards with a muzzleloader um i killed my probably second best buck that i've ever shot um yeah he was pretty heavy um yeah, a lot of character there too. Split G two and just really, really yeah. good mass. Beautiful deer. So it sounds yep. like you had uh, one hell of a season, man. Big tax, yeah, I did. big taxidermy bill, right? I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and that's a good thing, right? If you're going to spend money yeah. on hunting, you might as well spend it on the taxidermy because uh, uh, that's that's where all the work goes, I guess. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, sir, Devon, man, I really uh, appreciate you taking time out of your day to uh, hop on the podcast and BS with me for a little bit, share your story. Um, thank you, man. Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me on. It was fun. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, another podcast in the books. Huge shout out to, to Devon for taking time out of his day. If you like episodes like this, go to iTunes leave a review or wherever you download your podcast, man. I would really appreciate it. Uh, give me a big five-star rating and uh, tell your friends, tell your mom, tell your friends, friends, you know, just spread the good word. Also, I've said this before. Finally, we, we got some irons, you know, some of these details ironed out. We're going to be giving away a prime bow and with a ripcord rest on it coming very soon i will keep you posted um, it's probably going to happen in august and uh, so keep an eye out for that we're going to be doing some additional giveaways in august and uh, i'm jacked for that let's see here bah, 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 bah. i think i'm just going to cut it short because i can hear my kids screaming in the background hopefully you guys have a good week if you're going to be in a tree please wear your damn safety harness have a good week